Today's episode is brought to you by Cloisonne, one of the world's fastest growing network marketing companies. Now, with their life changing products and their revolutionary Try It For Free, It's On Me campaign, they're changing how people make money from home. Now, I was personally so impressed with what they're doing that I joined the company last week. So if you're interested in helping people improve their health and their wealth by giving away products for free, then join me. Visit ladyfox.cloisonne.com. That's ladyfox.cloisonne, C-L-O-I-X-O-N-N-E.com. Now get this. They have a really easy one, two, three system. It helps the average everyday person earn a significant income just by showing others how to give away life-changing products for free. So visit ladyfox.cloisonne.com for more information. That's cloisonne, C-L-O-I-X-O-N-N-E. Join me. Start changing your own health and wealth today. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. You know, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur these days, but are you really wired for it? It takes a certain personality. We're going to find that out today when we talk about the realities of entrepreneurship with the amazing guest, Nicole Laloya. Nicole works with women entrepreneurs to help them scale their businesses and move from one-on-one services to an online empire. She believes that we all deserve the freedom to increase our income and impact others without burning out. Nicole got her master's in social work from Columbia University and spends as much time as possible at the beach. We're going to learn more about her today. Or you could go to her website, Nicole Laloya, that's L-I-L-O-I-A.com. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. And it was so cool that you reached out and you were like, hey, I heard your podcast and, and I do this work. And do you want to talk to me? Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. It's so hard to put yourself out there like that sometimes. Yes, it is, right? And and it pays off when you do that, when you kind of take a leap. And I'm so glad that we've connected um, because this is such an important topic. There really is a lot of people out there who want to become an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know? But before, there is a lot of people who want it. <laughs> yeah. Before we dive in though, like I'd love to hear your story. Like share with us how you got into helping small businesses create their online empires. You know, what brought you to that? Right. So what happened is that I was a nonprofit social worker and I was miserable at my job. And I had paid a lot of money to get my master's degree from Columbia. And I graduated with $80,000 worth of debt. And I can only really get like a job that was $37,000 for a job, a master's degree in New York City. So I had like five roommates, you know, working, and I loved the work, but I hated the bureaucracy of the system. Mm -hmm. It was not set out to solve problems, which is like everything I was trained to do in school. You know, it was like, let's create more rules and make more problems. Um, and I just got so frustrated. So I quit. Good for you. Thank you. (laughs) You're like, enough of this. I got to pay off my debt. No, I was like, I'm done. But first (laughs) I decided, you know, Hey, I'm going to travel and I'm going to do things like that. And I think I was just kind of disillusioned. I needed a break. So I took some time to do that. And when I came back, I just honestly never got a job again. I was so, um, I never, I want to say I never got like a full time nine to five type job again. I was so, I was really like afraid. I thought I was 
like unable to work properly because I was like being in an <laughs> office all day sucks you know so I found part-time work and then I found um contracting jobs which is hard to do as a as a social worker and I just was like making the same amount of money but I was working less hours mm-hmm. so this is really interesting so this is like a nice segue into the personality traits that I think make a good entrepreneur right because mm-hmm. not everybody is wired for this kind of work and and it is very, you know, it's very freelance in a lot of ways. Right. So you have to be that person to hate the office, right? Yes. You have to absolutely, I think, like, hate the office and hate kind of like the bureaucracy of jobs and the, like, system, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, if there's people out there who have great jobs and love them, and that's awesome. But I realize that as a social worker and just, you know, like I said, I was doing contracting work. I saw their full-time social worker jobs. And I was like, that, I just don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be in the office every day, mm-hmm. like, following these dumb rules. And it's taking so long to help people because we have to do all these, like, ridiculous things. Like, mm-hmm. see 100 people per week to make the right money and, you know, keep them as long as possible. Yeah, stupid, stupid. Mm-hmm. And I hate that because there's, like, it creates all this, like, unnecessary red tape. And I like how, at the end of the day, the whole impetus for you to go into that line of work was to help people and then you were being held back from doing it effectively. Yes, exactly. Annoying. Yes. And I really, honestly, I did for a while. I was like, I'm lazy. Like, it is too hard to go to this job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I understand that feeling. Things. Like, what is the matter uh, with me? <laughs> like, it's hard to get out of the bed, you know? And like, you're right. like, oh God, is it really Sunday night? Because I don't want tomorrow yeah. to be Monday. Yeah, exactly. I know that feeling. How did you then start your own business helping other entrepreneurs? How did that come about? So first what happened is that I started a practice, a local counseling practice. Um, and I figured that would be like a way out of even like the freelancing stuff and the part-time job, which was starting to weigh on me again because it was mm. still for other people. Right. So, you know, that was one nice thing about being a social worker and working that first job. I got the right hours and licensing credentials to have my own practice one day. Mm-hmm. So I started my own practice. Um, and what happened was that when I was looking at websites and stuff like that, and I ended up hiring, you know, a therapist to help me build my practice because I, once again, I'm lazy. Like I want success <laughs> quickly. And I was like, I could be on this. And I can, I also know I can overthink things and you have to know your weaknesses as a business owner. Yeah. And my business, my weakness is that I can overthink stuff and I could take a long time to make decisions and wear myself out. And I could just see myself on my couch Googling how to start a private practice for five years every day. <laughs> just because I couldn't make any decisions. <laughs> so, so one of the first things to do is to know who you are, know your own tendencies mm-hmm. before you dive into starting your own business. Exactly. Or taking think- on a, a model of somebody else's business where they're like, here, do X, Y, Z, and you'll become a millionaire like me. Right. <laughs> exactly. But like finding somebody, like knowing your weaknesses and finding the solution for that weakness. So like my weakness would be like that I would doubt myself and overthink things. So I found the solution in, in hiring someone who did it before to tell me how to do it more quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it worked. Um, so I did like start a private practice, but then I found myself in the same position in that every week I had to go to the office on certain days and see the same clients at the same time. And it, it became like another job prison. And I was like, I can't believe I recreated this for myself. <laughs> it's funny. It's like the universe kept saying, Nicole, Nicole. So, so what did you do to change that? Well, in the meantime, I had discovered, um, like I said, I discovered like the online world and 
coaching and consulting and I was doing a lot of group programs and just meeting amazing people all over the world that were, you know, creating their own realities and creating their own businesses. And people kept asking me for help because they saw that I did start a practice very successfully and quickly and build up a mailing list and launch courses. So, you know, I just sort of started to pay attention. I started, I of course left again for a long trip out of country because that always helps me clear my mind. <laughs> a vacay is always a good solution. <laughs> exactly. And you know, what was cool was I could work while I was on that trip. So it was kind of fun. You know, I could take calls and stuff, but I really, that you know with the therapy practice I still needed to be there it was a little bit tricky so I kind of like weighed my options and you know I did a bunch of calls with people and kind of found out what they needed help with and um they wanted you know they wanted to work with somebody who started businesses and they wanted more personalized guidance, just like I had originally wanted a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about what you say to your clients. Uh, if somebody approaches you and they're like, hey, I know that you work with entrepreneurs who are just getting their things, their, their businesses off the ground. Can you help me? What's like the first thing you ask them? Is it finding out if they have the right personality for it? Is it finding out what their skill sets currently are? Is it telling them what to expect what is it I think it's really you know it's a combination and it's about finding out you know why do they want the business because I think that you know it's really hard not everybody is going to make it as a business owner Mm -hmm. and you really have to make sure that people have a clear reason that they want it and that you know how committed are you you know Mm -hmm. are you willing to suffer not suffer really (laughs) suffer some days suffer some days (laughs) From just the mental mental piece of like putting yourself out there. Are you yeah. going to do those things that are constantly on the bottom of your to-do list because you're afraid? You know, how willing are you to be, are you going to be getting uncomfortable, getting out of that comfort zone? Mm-hmm. And what if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I'm thinking about starting my own business, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm not exactly sure how to structure. I'm not even sure if my idea is solid. Do people right. come to you at that stage? Um, they used to. Now I work with people who are further along and are scaling more. Mm-hmm. Um, so they already kind of have that solopreneur business. They're making money, but now they're like, I love this. Like I want multiple businesses mm-hmm. or I want to take on a team and really expand this even more. But I think at that beginning stage, I mean, it's the same thing at either stage. It's sort of like the same issues come up. Whatever your issues are at the beginning are going to be your issues in the middle. And anytime you are going to a new level. Um, they show up differently. It's like, you know, how motivated are you? How, how strong is your mindset? You know, you are going to be scared and that fear is never going to really go away. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, how willing are you to learn ways of dealing with that fear yeah. and things despite it? I like that you said that, that people, it's natural to have this mm-hmm. fear of pushing to a new boundary, which is why, you know, there are certain people and that's totally fine who stay in a regular nine to five because it's stable. It's the same thing day after day. They don't really have to create any new structures for themselves. Right. There's health insurance. There's, there's, you know, secure income. And, you know, I stayed at a part-time job for a while in the beginning too. And I have to say like, it made it hard for me to grow my business to a certain level because I I kept myself, I'm very like, you know, I can keep myself safe. Like Mm -hmm. I'm someone who unfortunately is motivated by tough stuff, not by like, happy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Like when it gets too uh, easy, I get bored. Right. I don't try hard and then I almost (laughs) create it. I totally understand. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for the people out there listening, like they probably have seen things all over Instagram, like hustle, hustle, and like all of that kind of stuff. What are some of the common, I don't know, systems, I guess, that you find that entrepreneurs use that are not effective and that need to be really torn apart and looked at or that are effective? Give us a little bit of both. So I think that one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs do at first is they try to become, they learn, they overlearn. So they're like taking all these courses Mm -hmm. and they're taking, you know, they're on every social media channel and they're trying a million things. And I think that's where they feel they're hustling, you know, and it's like you are hustling, but not in a strategic way because you're just putting 10% of yourself in 10 different areas Mm -hmm. and you can't really get good results. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of better to focus in a couple of smaller areas and to actually learn through action than just kind of like, let me learn, let me take another course and Mm. then I'll do it. What do you think about a lot of those online courses, like the ones where you got to pay to be part of a a group and all of that kind of stuff. And then they end up charging you a hundred bucks a month. Right, right, right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I've done some online courses and it's like you got to get out of there what you want to like I learned very quickly like I'm not a course person I'm never going to go through the content so if I'm going to make use out of the community and build amazing relationships and like learn that way like it's totally fine you know I've done a lot of them and that's what I got out of it and I'm not going to be like oh I never did the content and they didn't set it up in a way it's like I know that's my fault I never chose to focus on the Mm -hmm, content mm -hmm. you know Yeah, I do. Actually, I'm the same way. It's hard for me to get through everything. I'll pick and choose what I want and what I don't want. But I think like overall, like looking at it from the outside, I feel like a lot of these courses are from people who are trying to do exactly what you're here to talk about today, which is like start their own business, right? Right. And so they create these, these, uh, I don't know, email lists and, and sales funnels and all of this kind of jazz. And what is your viewpoint on people doing that? Like, do you think it's getting oversaturated out there? Like, there's just too much going on? It's hard to say because I think that we feel it's oversaturated because we're in that world. Um, but I think that like, when I think about my personal life, like, 95% of people aren't entrepreneurs and have no clue this world even exists. Mm. So I think it's, you know, anything you're in is oversaturated a little bit because you're in it and you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you think of like your personal life too, you know, how many people really even know that that's out there? Yeah. What do you think about the, the people who offer a certain way of doing things in order to become a millionaire? Like, you know, those uh, affiliate sales programs right. and things like that. What are your viewpoints on that? Do you think that that's like cool and above board? Or do you think that that's a recipe for disaster for the people who, who enroll? So I think that it's about, you know, you have to enroll in what works best for you. I have a friend who enrolls in lots of courses and learns a lot. I don't because it doesn't work best for me. I enroll in like personal coaching and group programs. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really thinking about what's worked for you in the past. I was never a book learner, even in school. I got good grades, but I never enjoyed learning that way. So it's silly for me to try to like recreate that now for myself. But I think absolutely like there is going to be scammy people I think that's probably a smaller percentage than we think Mm -hmm. you know but I think like are you really willing to do the things that you need to do to get the most out of the course what are some other realities that people out there listening should be prepared for if they decide that they want to take the leap and start a business of their own I mean I think that the money piece it's like you're gonna have to 
you're going to have to invest in yourself and you're going to have to invest in other people too, to help you get stuff done. Meaning whether it's contractors, things like that. I think one thing that surprises people is that they don't, I don't think they outsource enough early enough Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they think that, especially women, I see women doing this, they're like control freaks. They, they're more perfectionists. You know what I mean? We think yes. we need to learn how to do everything in order to get ahead. Yeah. And I think it holds us back a lot of the mm-hmm. time. So you have to have some capital and you have to be willing to ask for help and delegate some stuff that you know you don't want to deal with or that maybe you're not good at. I think that... I don't think you have to have capital, but I think that you'll make your life easier if you create capital mm-hmm. for your business, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So there's always people who are like, well, I don't have money. I see that a lot. I don't have money. I don't, I can't even afford hosting. And it's like, well then go get a part-time job for a little bit and save up some money and mm-hmm. then come back to this, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. So we were talking offline about there's this whole emphasis on creating your story. Like, what is your story? Tell your story so you can inspire other people. And and I know people who have created speaking jobs out of it. Like, they are now motivational speakers just based right. on their own personal story. What's your viewpoint on that? You know, I think it's it's kind of, you know, it's funny because I've been doing some podcast interviews and it's kind of been interesting to tell my story or whatever it is. But I think, you know, it's interesting to turn that into something and it's good to share your experiences and connect with people. But I think that the reality is it doesn't have to be that shiny. Like for me, like I created a business because I felt lazy. Now I probably work harder <laughs> in a lot of ways than I ever did, but I'm okay. It doesn't feel hard to me, mm-hmm. you know in that sense. So I think that, you know, it's totally cool to tell your story and let people connect with you. I think it's important to let people know what's behind things. Like I like to work with people. I like to hire people. I'm curious about them. I want to know their story. Um, I think it helps motivate people. Um, but I think that the picture is probably not as shiny. Like I said, there's a lot of sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fear and tears and it doesn't go away. Yeah. And the point is that you don't really need some rags to riches story, right? Right. Right. Like your story is your story. My story doesn't sound all that fancy to me. I was lazy. I didn't like my job. I left it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I never found another. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, yours is funny and it's real. But, you know, it's like, I just want to be that person, like, I want to work from home, like, this is a reality. I want to work from home so that I don't have to leave the house because I'm, like, once again, lazy and <laughs> I hate being in, like, a dingy office, which is what I was always working yes, in. Yes, with those fluorescent worker. lights. Oh, my especially, gosh. Yeah, especially in nonprofits, you know, oh, like, yeah. there's no perks. It was sucky. Like, like I want to create my own perks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have snacks or any of that. No snacks, no anything, <laughs> you know, like, there's no fancy kitchen there. Like, right. It was not fun for me. I'd rather just be at home. I'd rather not have to deal with winter weather. I'm not a morning person. I don't want to have to rush to an office. I like that I can like get in two hours of work at night. Yes. Yes. Well, that could actually be a flip side too. Like I know I've noticed since I've been working from home is that the work is always there. And so sometimes it's hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And and get yourself away from it. At least when you're in an office, you have to report into an office, and then you know you can leave. Right. 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 But when you're at home, it's like it's always there. Uh, but then, if you love what you're doing, then it's great. I know, and that's what you know. That's who I really like to work with is people who like it. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter to them that they're mm-hmm. working. Yeah. And I'm saying like we never take breaks or vacations or whatever, but it's like 99% of the time we don't really care because it's an extension of ourselves. Right. 
And so speaking of that, you mentioned also when we spoke offline about being a digital nomad. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, I, I keep leaving the country whenever I get bored or like need a change. So that's what I love that starting my own business has allowed me to do is that I can kind of pick up and go anywhere. And there's a lot of that. There's really like popular, you know, Instagram accounts with like laptop lifestyle stuff, digital mm-hmm. nomad. Um, but you know, like I was telling you too, like I'm actually like a lazy digital nomad. Like I only want to prep <laughs> for like a month out of the country at a time. And then I want to come back and yeah. like, you know, come back to my luxuries in my home. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, that's another thing. People think it's like glamorous, like you're going to be able to travel anywhere and work anywhere. And it's, it can be stressful. It can mm-hmm. be stressful. Oh, to God. Yeah. Like that. Well, yeah, you're um, going, if you, especially if you go somewhere that like, that's like a third world country of some, yeah, you know, and a lot of people do that. Like, I know. Well, two years ago, I went to Costa Rica and it, the internet sucked <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was expensive. Um, if food was expensive, like things like that, it wasn't that cheap. Yeah. Um, and then last year I went to Mexico and it was like a crazy different experience. I, you know, the food was, everything was so cheap. The place to stay was so cheap. I think it was like $800 for three weeks. Wow. Like in a nice apartment, you know? Wow. Um, and, you know, I was able to do my work in the apartment. And it's crazy, like, when you have less time to work because you want to get to the beach, it's amazing how much quicker you, you can get, get shit done. Stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, exactly. you ha- now, you have the seven truths about the laptop lifestyle. Can you give us some of those? Yeah. I mean, I think, like, one, it's not that easy to work on the beach. Yeah, right. You don't want to get like, sand in your computer. Yeah, like, sand in your computer. It's hot. You know, like, <laughs> that was one issue with my apartment. It was, like, five minutes further walk than I would have liked in those five minutes out of when you're walking back and forth <laughs> to the beach every day, like, carrying your MacBook Air, which is a lot heavier than you realize. Right. Um, and I think, too, it's you like, should you feel know, my MacBook <laughs> Pro. Oh, God, I know. It's, I like, it's like a brick. Yeah. Ugh. Go on. (laughs) I think also that, you know, it is like you have to be sort of organized. You have to prep yourself for it. So either you have to work your butt off before you leave so you can enjoy that freedom and income without stressing out about like, where's my money? Mm. Um, You know, where's my income? Where's my sales coming in? So you do have to absolutely get a lot of stuff done and get a lot of prep, I would say, out of the way before you go. Okay. So what's what's another truth about it? about being on the road yeah I mean I do think like I travel solo a lot of the time it can be lonely it can be and then sometimes it's not lonely but people just ask you a lot of questions about traveling alone and that's annoying in its own right Mm -hmm. it's like leave me alone I'm fine traveling by myself it's okay you know yeah any horror stories no I thank god no I've never had any horror stories but I think that one thing is tough is that you really unless you've traveled to the area before you're not really sure what it's going to be like and like I said for me like a lot of people are like I want to go to a million locations and that's not really great when you're working because like I said you have to you lose time leaving Mm. starting the travel traveling yeah Yeah, when I went to Costa Rica I moved every few days and it sucked it was like exhausting packing my stuff you yeah. internet to deal with at each location. Right. And that's something, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of lots of business travel for those mm-hmm. reasons. I feel like it's a lot of wasted time, like dealing with airports and packing right. and then dealing with the hotel and noise and getting used to your new surroundings. And it's just a lot of headache. It would be great if we could just like, you know, transport ourselves like Jetson style, you know, right. and just like plop we're in the new environment yes. <laughs> you know right. so it doesn't look as glamorous as they make it seem on instagram 
Exactly. And the reality is, is like, you know, you're not staying at a Hyatt or a Marriott the whole time. Right. You're staying at, you know, an apartment or, you know, the Airbnb, a cheaper type of place. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not as nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not as nice. As so that's actually, that's cool. If you're like in your early twenties, like you just got out of college and mm-hmm. you want to do some traveling and you're fine with staying in some hostels or whatever. But when you're older and you decide you want to start a business, let's say you're in your thirties or forties, that's not going to be appealing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I am, in, I am in my thirties and like last year, like I said, you know, it was much better for me. Like I finally did stay in that one location and you know what, like I had a routine, like I wasn't there to sightsee. Like you're not necessarily sightseeing when you're working and traveling, you know, you have to really, if you want to sightsee, you got to really schedule that in advance. You know, it was almost like I was home, but like I just, you know, worked all morning and then went to the beach all afternoon. So why did you do it? Because I want the sun in the winter. (laughs) Uh I'm in Jersey and I do. I like the capability to go, but like I said, I have a one month expiration. See, it's funny. It's funny because I live in Los Angeles. So I I don't even think about it from from that perspective about getting away. Because, like, like in January, and (laughs) this year I didn't do it because I I was planning to move and I like really suffered. Gosh, (laughs) I bet. It's hard when you're here and it's especially my location and it's winter and you haven't left and you don't leave your house barely. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I won't make that mistake. Yeah, I think I'm going to Mexico. Yeah. What's the the most exciting or the best travel story that you've got being a digital nomad? Well, I mean, this wasn't quite when I was a digital nomad, but a few years ago, I, you know, traveled in Venezuela and um, I volunteered first and then traveled. And, you know, I think that I was on the road to being a digital nomad. I just really didn't know how to work or find work at that time on my own. But I ended up signing up for a trip where you go to see like the highest waterfall Hmm. in the world or something like that. It was amazing. But, you know, I always was like, you can never get me on one of those tiny four-seater planes. (laughs) So I get there and sure enough, it's like a tiny four-seater plane. And they stuck me right next to the pilot. Oh, God. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just going to close my eyes for this entire trip. And literally, like, you can only get to this waterfall because you could either get to it by the little plane or by boat. So I signed up for the boat trip, but I didn't know you had to literally take that little plane still to the boat. Uh, But you got through. I did. I I was like, well, at this point, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) So you did a little, um, I don't know, extreme sports there, too. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like the amazing race or something. You got to do something that makes you uncomfortable. So that's kind of cool. So you got through that. And then um, did you enjoy the rest of your stay? I did. And, you know, you sleep in a hammock outside a waterfall. And it's kind of crazy things that you get to experience. And I think that's what's really cool about traveling for a long time. Yeah. You really get the opportunity to try different things. And it's not like a little like sightseeing tour from the hotel. You can Mm -hmm. find when you go and stay in another country for a month, like you can find some of those like hidden treasures that you wouldn't get the opportunity to find otherwise. Mm -hmm. Now, this sounds like it would be personally fulfilling. Have you ever found that doing the travel has contributed to the networking piece or making additional connections? Yeah, you know, I always try to connect with other entrepreneurs. That's what's really cool is there's so many entrepreneurs who travel all over the world. um, And I always connect with new ones when I travel. So I might even in Facebook groups be like, hey, I'm going to this country. Is anyone Uh there? You know? Smart. Um, 
And every time I meet people who are like, yeah, I know I'm there. Or I have a friend there, you know, and we, we like hook up at the same time and, you know, meet for drinks or dinner and hang That's out awesome. and talk business. So I think that, you know, that is one really cool thing about being an entrepreneur and traveling is like, if you just put it out there, entrepreneurs are so happy to help other entrepreneurs. Um, it's, it makes it a lot easier to meet new mm-hmm. people. Well, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. There are exceptions. There like, are. I think that there's like a, a catchphrase in this section of the industry where people are like, let me help you. I'll help you, you know, but it's like, then when you actually ask for help, they're like, well, that's going to cost you $5,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. so there, I think that there's, it depends. It depends on who yeah, it is. Absolutely. But I do think like when you're looking to travel and you're putting it out in those kinds of ways, like, Hey, I want to connect, you know, your the opportunities to meet people will show up. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your tips on helping your clients not burn out? I think it's really about, you know, helping people deal with their fear and overthinking. I almost think that gets people more than the um, actual work. Like they spend more time. I see a lot of my clients are, like I said, women, entrepreneurs, overthinkers, overanalyzers. And what's getting them burnt out is the thought process when they're planning to do something and like imagining all these awful ways it could turn out. Right. (laughs) I mean, you do have to take a look at all of the possible outcomes so that you're mentally prepared for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like in my mind, like if I imagine the worst and then like it doesn't even come anywhere near that. Right. And I was saying it also is like the frequency. It's so little. Like I was just on a mastermind call. I I run a mastermind. And, you know, one of the girls was thinking about doing something and putting herself out there. And she's like, what if they said no? And I said, listen, the reality is if you keep putting yourself out there, you're going to hear a no. I'm not going to tell you that's not going to happen because it is likely to happen. There's not, you know, 100% conversion rates or yeses for all the opportunities you put yourself in front of. Somebody's going to get upset to you, upset at you at some point in this process. Mm -hmm. People have gotten upset with me and I hate it. You know, it was always like my biggest fear, but then it happens and it's like, oh, I'm still breathing. (laughs) Oh, I handled that really well. I'm so proud of myself. You know, and it's like, you know, when you think about the percentages of that happening, it's like maybe 5% odds out of 100%. You know, when you really think about all the times you've done it and you put yourself out there, when that bad thing happens, it's so rare that it doesn't kind of doesn't even matter. You Mm -hmm. spent more energy thinking about it and imagining it being bad than it actually ever occurs. So would you say that entrepreneurs are are very strong people because they put themselves on the edge so much? I think that it definitely helps, but I think that, you know, I think that's where the burnout is happening for women is that they're they're stressing themselves out so much before they do it. They can't even enjoy it. Mhm. So slow down, take mm-hmm. it day by day, don't overthink. When you feel like you're overthinking, reach out to Nicole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't overthink the like negative nightmare possibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like stop imagining that. You can just imagine, easily imagine good stuff. But like, you know, I know that's my fault too. Like that's my weakness. You know, I'm always like, oh my God, what if this happened? So it's good to catch ourselves doing that and mm-hmm. to like reprocess the times you've put yourself out there. And yeah. Things yeah. And like I said, the majority of times they do. Mm-hmm. Now, do you offer resources to your clients as well? Like, let's say somebody comes to you and they're like, okay, here's my business idea. And um, I've already started it. And it's, you know, I'm starting to get some income here. I need some help. Like I need I need a virtual assistant. I need a team like do you help people with that? Or do you just kind of 
guide them along the lines of, I don't know, the stress surrounding being an entrepreneur? Um, both, because I really do think it's a combination. And I do think that is one of my strengths is that because, you know, I have experience as a therapist and then I do have the business strategy part. I am able to offer people support with both of those areas. And I have worked with coaches in the past who've only been able to do one of them. And it really throws you off a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah. Like if somebody's only focused on, you know, the psychological aspect mm-hmm. of taking this leap and dealing with your fears, but then at the end of the day, you still need to deal with brass tacks. Like, right. You, you, know, you don't the know where to find a VA. Exactly. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, like my resources are their resources. I, I'm all about hacks and shortcuts. That's like I said, that's why I initially hire someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want them recreating the wheel. You know, I don't want them, you know, having to like go out and find sources for VAs if I know exactly where I found amazing VAs for right. help, you know, right. and I definitely tell them where to look. And that's where I think it really is. And I do think there's just, I think that part of business is sometimes not talked about enough. I think we do talk about like, you know, if we get stuck on the story piece, mm-hmm. the transformational story, but it's like, we, I think we want the nitty gritty details. Like, yeah, how do I do this? Did you hire someone? How much did you pay them? Yes. What's the best employee to hire first? Yeah. If it was a what product. What about when they don't do it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If it was a product, at what point did you start, you know, doing mass manufacturing of it? You know, right. how did you test your product? Like mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so much that goes into yeah. it depending on what your business is. Mm-hmm. And even like my clients, like I'm like, you know, if I'm filling a group program, like I have to talk to a hundred people still too. That's how, that's the reality of this. That's mm-hmm. the reality of numbers in business. And totally. I think that people don't think that they see that shiny exterior success stories. Right. And it's like, you know, we, uh, we are successful, but it's like, this is the work attached to that success. Right. And it's, people don't understand the realities of, you know, yeah. it isn't putting yourself out there one time. It's putting yourself out there a hundred times. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over and over and over for sure so so share with us your process in working with a new client um, onboarding a new client what services you all offer you know in general is it just one-on-one calls is it Skype sessions how does it work yeah so I have a combination I do either one-to-one clients or I have a mastermind um and you know it basically is in my mastermind typically they have group calls where we're all on the call together everybody gets a hot seat so we could address quick issues and their biggest goals and then we have a one-to-one call each month so I could go in a little deeper and I really found um, I'm starting my fifth mastermind now so I've run them for two years so it's cool because each one I make little tweaks based on what worked best hmm. in the last one Very cool. you know so I'm able to keep and even like I'm learning I'm in masterminds so I'm learning and seeing different things and trying sure that. yeah and for people out there who are like what the heck is a mastermind uh, can you share with them what that yeah. what that's all about so I mean I know like what you're talking about yeah program. so the way I run masterminds and there's peer masterminds that you can set up with your friends and then there's paid ones and I honestly do paid ones myself because I need that financial accountability and skin in the game otherwise I'm like kind of very passive about it but it's like you know every you get coaching from me you get strategy for me and then you're also in a group with other people so you're learning from all the other businesses and I'm really seeing the amazing results that people get in these Mm -hmm. because I think that so much of it like I said for women is mindset and overthinking and it's like you know 
it's easy for me and to my one-to-one clients to say, look, other business owners experience this too. This is normal. And then when you're in the mastermind, you're actually living it with other business yeah, owners. Yeah, and you're hearing it. it. Yeah. And it's so comforting. Yeah. And you know, that's what happened to me. Like, I was never a group program person. I was like, a, I need one-to-one help. Mm-hmm. And I joined a group coaching program just for financial reasons, to save money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? It, I was like... it it 10x my business so much to be with other people mm-hmm. and see how much more I knew than I realized I knew. Um, and to yeah. also just see other people going through the same Exactly. Shit. So you don't feel like you're alone. Right. Which is like, a big part of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You do feel very alone. Yeah. So in my, in my masterminds and like I said, one-to-one coaching, you know, we, we do phone calls. Um, we do group calls. It's one-to-one. And then we have a Facebook group which for support. And I really am very accessible there. Like, they can ask questions every day. I want to hear from them. And, you know, we have weekly, like, let's report our wins and our progress because we really do need to choose to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And keep you each know, other accountable. Keep each other accountable. I love and see that. that. People are getting results. And every week it's like, what is the number one goal you're reaching towards? Because I think that people try to hit too many goals at once. Mm-hmm. What is your number one goal and what are the actions that are going to help you with this goal this week? Like the three to five actions. Oh, I so love that we that. can stay really focused. And it's not that you aren't going to do other stuff. I'm like, you're going to do other stuff. But if you're automatically doing that other stuff in your business this week, then we don't want to talk about it. Like we know you have to, you know, you have to do your taxes or whatever. That's mm-hmm. not the action that's going to take you to your goal. That's the base action. But like, what are those extra tough actions that once again are going to stay at the bottom of your to-do list unless we focus on them? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I'm already starting to feel inspired and motivated. I'm like, oh boy, I need to set my goal and my three to five actions. I love yeah, this. It really works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, again, just going back to the entire topic for this show Mm -hmm. it's like people need to understand that there are some realities that you need to face when it comes to taking this leap with your career right right so Mm -hmm. get the help of someone like nicole um any final thoughts for the people out there listening if they have the desire to try to start a new business or if they have started one but they're struggling with it i think definitely it's so important like connect with other people get support you know make sure that you're not trying to do it all on your own because we're not good at everything, you know? So if there is like one task that's really holding you up, like hire it out. (laughs) If you can hire it out, hire it out. You know, like I wasted (laughs) months like with my website because I was like, I'm never going to write the copy. And I just wasted months acting like I was. And, you know, as a result, I didn't have a website for a few months and Mm -hmm. that set me back. Right. So it's like, make sure you're not getting caught up in in little things that you're never going to do because you feel like you need to. I love that. Great tips. And I love that you uncovered the, I guess, dark side (laughs) to being an entrepreneur, right? The late night tears. (laughs) Wine bottles everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being in your pajamas all day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed our chat. I'm so glad you reached out. And thank you for coming on here to share all this great information. Thanks for having me. Everybody out there listening, please go to Nicole's website if you want some help building your online empire. It's NicoleLaloya.com, and I'll also include that link in the show notes and in our email newsletter and all over social media. Reach out to Nicole today. Thanks again, Nicole. Thanks. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? 
email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.